Just a content warning before we jump into this one. This episode does mention suicide and may be triggering for some listeners. This episode of Shameless is brought to you by Penguin Books Australia and Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before? A mental health self-help book by Dr. Julie Smith, a British clinical psychologist. Hello and welcome to the February instalment of the Shameless Book Club. This month we read The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. This number one bestseller takes place in a peaceful retirement village where four unlikely friends meet up once a week to investigate unsolved murders. But when a brutal killing takes place on their very doorstep, the Thursday Murder Club find themselves in the middle of their first live case. Elizabeth, Joyce, Ibrahim and Ron might be pushing 80, but they still have a few tricks up their sleeves. Can this unorthodox but brilliant gang catch the killer before it's too late? I am Michelle Andrews, and to help me tackle that question this month is shameless producer Annabelle Lee. Hello, Hi. Annabelle. That was hello. <laughs> hello, hello. Hello to you too, Michelle. <laughs> the other giggle you can hear is from content coordinator Sahani Gunatilika. Hello. Hello. How are we, ladies? Good. I'm nervous to talk about this <laughs> because I don't know if I have much to say. Sahani, thoughts and feelings? Yeah, I don't really have much to say. <laughs> it's going to be an amazing chat then. I'm sure all the listeners cannot wait to get in. (laughs) Look, let's start where we always start. Perhaps the listeners might have gotten the impression that we have some unpopular opinions (laughs) about Thursday Murder Club. But before we talk about the book, let's talk about the author like we always do. Annabelle, what do we know about Richard Osman? Well, I think we all kind of felt the same in that we Googled his name and realised that Mm. his face looked awfully familiar. Yeah. Mm. Yes. So Richard has a background in British TV. He's been in the industry since 1995. He's 52 years old now. So in 1995, he worked as a program associate on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Great show. He's gone on to executive produce, appear on and host shows like eight out of ten cats which you love michelle (laughs) i love he's also been a panelist on my favorite show of all time would i lie to you yes i feel like no one does reality tv like the brits Mm. yes and that british humor you could definitely sense in this book the thursday Mm. murder club which i enjoyed yes (laughs) sahani what do you know about him yeah so i thought he looked really familiar as well yes but i could not like put a finger on where he was from and then i like just googled him on youtube and like all the british comedians that I knew came up like Graham Norton Sarah Millican Jimmy Carr there's just so many and yeah like the book like there's so many like references to the book being really funny and I'm like this makes sense now Mm. don't know if I fully (laughs) agree with this bit it's it's humorous in parts yes (laughs) it never once got a chuckle out of me it did get a huh yeah See, I listened to a lot of it via audiobook and I feel like the narrator had a lot of like personality and energy and pizzazz and I really felt the humour through her narration. Very British humour. Yes. (laughs) Now, I did find out one thing about Richard Osman that I wanted to bring to the table. I found it interesting. I also found it on Wikipedia, so it's not like I searched (laughs) far and wide for it. Apparently, he has suffered a food addiction since Mm. childhood. I haven't heard much about food addiction in children, to be honest, but I think we certainly saw this play out with the character of Chris Hudson, Mm. the 
murdery detective policey guy who definitely struggled with a food addiction. I saw this too, Mish. He actually said it, Richard said this in his episode of Desert Island Discs in 2021. He was on that show, another podcast that we love. I also interestingly listened to Richard's interview at the end of the audiobook with Marianne Keyes. He was kind of implying that Chris's character had a lot to do with his own personal life and his own personal story. And he said that that's why he didn't narrate the audiobook because Joyce and Elizabeth kind of led the story in the Thursday Murder Club. And he felt like his voice wasn't necessarily attached to those characters, but his voice was attached to the character of Chris. Interesting. Mm. Some extra info on the author before we move on. He studied at Cambridge University, so he's a very smart boy. The rights (laughs) to this book, his first novel went to a 10 publisher auction in 2019. That auction was won by Viking Press, which is an offshoot of Penguin. They paid Richard Osman a seven figure sum for this book. It clearly paid off in dividends. Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. (laughs) (laughs) Can we keep that in? (laughs) (laughs) I can't get my words out today. Steven Spielberg has acquired the book's film rights and Richard has sold three million books at the time of recording. There are now three books in the Thursday Murder Club series. This one was followed by The Man Who Died Twice and The Bullet That Missed, which has just been released. Guys, let's dive in to this book. I want you to start with your character breakdown. So, honey, tell me a character you adored. So I really loved Donna and Elizabeth's dynamic. Mm. I thought they were really sweet. It kind of reminded me of like a grandmother, granddaughter sort of relationship. But then I also really liked Elizabeth and Joyce. Yes. Because they were like such a sweet friendship. And then I'm like, the common denominator there is Elizabeth. And I feel like she's a bit underrated because in the book they keep talking about how Joyce is so loved. But I was like, Elizabeth is the reason you guys even hang out. Yeah. And I love them. And she's just so smart and quippy. And she's just, I just really love her. I agree. Elizabeth was my shiny gold star as well. I just found her to be so incredibly clever. She was no bullshit. She was Mm. utterly charming. I feel like this book would have zero sparkle without her. Truthfully, I was craving more sparkle and I found Mm. that I only got that from Elizabeth. I loved Joyce as well. I felt like Joyce was very sunshiny, very likable, but Elizabeth was sassy and Mm. got shit done and was manipulative in the most endearing way possible. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I actually loved Joyce the most. I felt like she was the heart of the book. Like Mm. her diary entries were so lovely. Mm. She was very sensitive and I really liked that about her. Aside from Joyce and maybe Bogdan, I liked his character. Yeah, again, I felt like he was no bullshit. He was no bullshit, yes. So I liked him and Elizabeth for the same reason. The others, though, eh. Like, I didn't like... Genuinely, genuinely, eh. I liked the squad, like the awesome force or whatever. Like, Ron, I was trying to talk to you about this, Sahani, beforehand. I thought Ron was, like, fiery. I could picture him. I could also picture Ibrahim because he was kind of, like, the opposite of Ron. He had more of a calm nature to him. See, this is where See, I, I got lost. <laughs> yeah, I, so how did you agree? I, I could differentiate Elizabeth and Joyce. Mm. I got very muddy between Ron, Ibrahim. Ron, I re- like I knew that he was the boxer's yeah. dad and he was a little bit rough around the edges. Ibrahim and John, Penny's yes. husband, completely lost. Even now, I'm like, John's the doctor, Ibrahim's the psychiatrist. Yeah. Still both doctors, and Mm. I couldn't tell you a single thing to differentiate them. It's because even though he's a psychiatrist, he doesn't use his skill at all. Like, (laughs) you just forget that. Good for nothing. (laughs) Start doing psychiatry shit. (laughs) 
I just felt like there were far too many characters in this book. That's what I mean. Like, aside from the four main characters or five or however many, the others were just like, I couldn't grasp who they actually, the essence of who they were. Yeah, well, I really like the chapter dedicated to Ian because it really sets Ian up. And you know that he's a terrible person. Like, he's very greedy, inconsiderate. I kind of had an idea of what he would do. But all the other characters were just like props. Because, you know, you get attached to characters. Yes. No attachment to them. Same. (laughs) And I also just need to have a moment to talk about how they were named. Because we had, (laughs) we had so many characters, number one. But we had Joyce, Joanna, Johnny, Jason and John. How the fuck am I supposed to remember all those J names? Donna was sometimes Donna, sometimes PC (laughs) Defratus. Yeah. We had Chris Hudson, who was also Detective Chief Inspector or DCI at times. We had Bobby Tanner, who also doubles as Peter Ward. Oh, that was so confusing. Yeah. And then Penny and Joyce, like I just continually, every time Penny popped up because she didn't (laughs) pop up enough, her character wasn't grounded enough for me. Every time Penny popped up, I confused her with Joyce for a couple of sentences, then had to go back and figure out, no, Penny and Joyce are different characters. Mm. Penny's the one who isn't functioning very well anymore, isn't really there anymore. If you're going to give me this many characters, truthfully, I need you to do what Marianne Keyes sometimes does with her books, which is give you a character tree where you open Mm. the first page and it lays out all the characters and how they're related and how you should know about them. If you're going to give me one, two, three, four, six J names that all sound the same, I'm going to be lost and I'm going to spend so much of your book wondering who we're talking about and how I should know them or contextualizing them rather than being engrossed in the story. Yes. Mm. Also the similar sounding names in like the same storyline because there were multiple like sub storylines Johnny going on at the same time. <laughs> Even like Mackie and Maggie. I was listening yes. to it via audiobook and I was like, wait, what? Like I know that there was Maggie. <laughs> Maggie is the nun that he fell in love oh, with. Yes, yeah, so it was the, it, yeah, it, yeah. like it made sense. They were Margaret together. as well. Margaret. It was just all very. <laughs> were there any characters that we didn't like? Like I obviously didn't like Ian Ventum, mm. but it was like good that I didn't like him. He was the only character I actually cared about not liking. Tony Curran, the first guy who got murdered. I didn't give a shit about him. I didn't know about him. I didn't care that he died, which made the first 200 pages of this book so boring. Mm. I will say one of the things that I realized, it took me some time to think about it, but I realized that I liked this about the book was that none of the characters were, in my opinion, hateable. I do think that Richard had a really beautiful way of humanizing all the characters. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Even Ian? <laughs> All the other characters were very humanized. What about yeah. you, Sahani? Anyone I, that you didn't like? No, but I do agree with your point, Annabelle. Like, I feel like if the purpose of the book was to humanize older people and give them that sort of personality, it does definitely do that. But then it doesn't add depth to them. And if you mm. want to give like older people's perspectives, like a voice or a platform, I feel like it falls short of that. Yeah. Am I also alone in thinking the only character development we got for some of these people, because there were so many of them, was like one line. Like Ron, Ron was finally ready to tell his son he didn't like beer, he liked white wine. I'm like, is that really the character development we're going to get? Yeah, it was weird. It was shallow. <laughs> I feel like it was so I don't shallow. even remember that line. <laughs> I was trying to go back into my brain and be like, where was that said? <laughs> said at the end. I was like, I was searching for any kind of meaning and I couldn't find anything. Even like Penny and John. I mean, they're two characters who die at the end. They're supposed to have this very heartfelt love story. They were barely in the book. Yeah. I felt like I was being asked to care about mm. John euthanizing Penny and then suiciding. 
But I was like, well, I don't, I forgot that Penny was a policewoman until you told me in the last page. Like, yeah. I just, I don't care about these two because you've barely put them in. It's hard to root for them and their love when you have not heard anything about it. Yes. For, like, <laughs> all of the 300 pages yeah. that this book consists This whole book is essentially saying, trust me. <laughs> just like, it's emotional, trust me. <laughs> the thing that I did like about the character of Penny, I feel like all the things that I liked about this book, I realised after some deep thinking after reading the book <laughs> or even, like, after listening to that interview at the end of the audiobook with Marianne Keys. Okay. So, <laughs> great stuff. <laughs> if you think about it hard enough, you'll find some. Because Richard seems like a great guy and his reasoning behind a lot of the decisions he made in this book are really fascinating. Like the character of Penny, Richard knew very early on that he wanted a character like Penny to be a killer because like she's the least suspecting kind of person because she doesn't really like speak to us. We don't hear a lot from her. See, I actually went on that thought train but I like thought Joyce would be the killer Same. <laughs> me too but, Same. but we heard her diary entries the yeah. whole time I felt like that was maybe why we she wouldn't be the killer it does make sense but with Penny it was interesting because he was saying that like Penny is there as a device to kind of soften other characters like Elizabeth because they had such a close friendship. So like readers wouldn't suspect mm. that Penny would be a killer, which is why she was in the end. And those final chapters were my favourites. Everything yeah. was tied up and I was like, oh, Penny, she's a killer. Cool. <laughs> I, I hear you. I think the last 120 pages far outperformed the first 250. Mm. However, I kind of find that as a narrative device a little lazy. Like, ooh, Penny's the one who killed this guy. Well, like... Why would I doubt that when I barely know Penny in the first place? It's like telling me a complete stranger that I haven't been introduced to yeah. killed this guy. I find it to be lazy. Whereas with Joyce, who I was introduced to and I was led into her innermost thoughts, that would have been a trickier sell for Richard Osman mm. to be like, well, you know her and you love her. It's like pointing to a person in the corner of the room and be like, that person you've never spoken to, they're the killer. It's like, okay. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I like about whodunits. You can plant mm. like little clues and like Easter eggs, but they didn't do any of that. No. Yeah. After the break, I want to hear about your strengths and your weaknesses and of course your ratings. But first, a word from today's sponsor. Mish, so many of our listeners love a good self-help book and this one by clinical psychologist Dr. Julie Smith is definitely one to look out for. Her book is a practical manual for all things mental health and is a surprisingly easy read. Yeah, fans of Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before say it's super easy to follow because it's written in bite-sized entries which allows you to flick to the passages relevant to the mental health challenges you might be experiencing. Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before also covers a vast array of topics from managing anxiety, battling depression, understanding understanding grief and breaking negative thought patterns. You may have already seen Dr. Julie Smith and her therapy room on TikTok as she's amassed a huge following of over 4 million people. Her videos are colourful and positive and her TikTok videos make her resources so accessible. Her TikTok handle is at Dr. Julie Smith. So if you're on the fence about picking up her book, Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before? Go through her existing videos on TikTok and see if you enjoy the kind of content she produces. If we've piqued your interest and you'd like to pick this one up, head to the Penguin website and search why has nobody told me this before we'll also put the link in our show notes thank you so much to penguin books australia and why has nobody told me this before by dr julie smith for making this episode of shameless possible all right sahani hit me with the strength <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Think really hard and really deep like Annabelle did. <laughs> I 
I don't often think deep, but when I do, it's about stuff that matters like this. I've literally never heard that laugh. That laugh come at you. Sahani strength. Okay, yeah. Um, the only thing I could really think of, um, the book's got a very unique premise. Mm. Do you guys remember Knives Out and Glass Onion? That just mm. like, yeah. So yeah. I was really into that sort of category of fiction, like cozy crime fiction. So nothing too dark, but still like a whodunit mystery. Yeah. So I thought this book falls into that category. So I was really excited to pick it up because I was like, cool, cool. Like I haven't read anything like this. And I still do think it would make a good movie. So the fact that Spielberg has picked it up, mm. I think it could be good because you can probably follow along with all those characters if you saw them on TV. Yes. yes. But yeah, that's about <laughs> the end. Some people are like, where else to take this? Nowhere. It felt like it was going somewhere else. <laughs> You're like, and that's where the yeah. strength So ends. hopefully Spielberg does something good with this. Hopefully Spielberg does it better. <laughs> that's that's great, Sahani. What about you, Annabelle? That was my strength as well. I really, really wanted to be obsessed with this book because of the concept. Like, older people with energy and the spark to chase crime. What's not to love? So you're both saying great idea, <laughs> no, mediocre execution. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I did like the way this was executed. I liked the yes. way that like the warm hearted vibe of the book was executed. It wasn't like a scary, crimey kind of book. Mm. It was like light, not too dark. You were saying this, Sahani. It just felt kind of cozy. Cozy crime is I the didn't way know you that was a... this. Is that a you thing or is that a literary thing? No, no, I Googled it. <laughs> like I Googled it after like finding knives out and glass on you. Yes. Like, where do I find more of this? Because I loved those. I'm not someone who's into gore or into like very scary thrillers, but I am into cozy crime at times. Yeah. I love that. I have a couple of strengths. I know, surprising. <laughs> um, thank God for Joyce's diary entries. They were literally the only easy to read thing mm. in this entire book. My grandmother, Christine, shout out to her. I know she'll be listening. Read this before we did and said, I love Joyce. I love her diary entries. You will too. And Nanny, you were 100% right. They were absolutely the heart and soul of this book. And the only thing that I got excited when I turned to Joyce's diary, because mm. I was like, finally something that I'll be able to breeze <laughs> through and understand and comprehend and move on. Joyce and Elizabeth's dynamic, we've touched on that, was another strength. The last 50 pages was another strength. I liked the storyline of Penny killing the woman's boyfriend and burying him in a graveyard. I would have loved more background on Penny to actually care about her as a character more, to care about her and John's marriage more. I mean, in a book that I didn't enjoy, this was a bigger strength than it was a weakness. I loved the storyline of Father Mackey and why he was a, like, quote unquote, fake priest, but mm, not a fake priest. True. I loved the storyline of the nun and the priest falling in love, getting pregnant together, and then how that was handled by the church. That was just so believable to me. And that was the only time I felt a real emotional investment in this book, apart from the scenes where Elizabeth and Joyce were involved. Weaknesses, though, I'll kick you guys off with one of my weaknesses. The first 250 pages was a weakness. <laughs> I think at least 100 pages of this could have been removed. Every time we were talking about a strip of shops or a garden or a walking path or a room, I was like, can we please quicken things up? I agree. And I listened to this, as I said many times in this episode, via audiobook. And I was actually trying to read along with it at the start, but I kept... 
I was sitting in a park trying to read, trying to focus, <laughs> and I kept losing concentration. Working hard. Working hard. Gal's got to do it. And I had to keep having to go back and like reread sections, rewind my audiobook because mm. I was just, I don't know, maybe it was a me thing, but I, I was really struggling to follow along. What was that? So, honey, was that you as well? I had the same thing. Like, I think it was the character thing. I know we've already talked about this, but I'd just see a name and I'm like, who is this? Mm. And I have to flick back and find them. And sometimes I wouldn't even find them. He just like drops them into the, the story yeah. and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Am I supposed to? There was this one time he mentioned Maureen. Like, just dropped her in. Who that? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Are like, you sure you don't mean Margaret, Maggie, or Mackie? <laughs> it was so ridiculous. Yeah. I wonder, Annabelle, because I struggled with sentences, like mm. you just said. Like, I really had to rewind and then fast forward and rewind again to be like, what mm. am I hearing? What am I reading? I don't understand. For me, it was like some of the sentence structure was so passive. I haven't experienced that with an author recently where I felt like the sentences were worded in a way mm. that I just, I wasn't gripped. I wasn't engaged. I was just lost. Do you know what? I agree with you. And maybe this may be a reach, but perhaps it has something to do with the fact that Richard is like a TV writer guy. Yeah, I don't know if he yeah, writes for TV, that's a good idea. but when I was, <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> As in like, I read this thing that, um, because the book was written in third present tense, yeah. it's harder to read or harder to write. And maybe that's because he's a TV presenter. I He'd think have to so. write that in present. Because when I tried to read it physically, the book, I found it read kind of funnily. But when I fully immersed myself into the audiobook experience, let the <laughs> narrator take me on a ride, <laughs> I found it much more captivating. Interesting. Mm. Sahani, another weakness? This is a bit of a serious weakness. The way he talks about suicide was super uncomfortable ah. for me. Like, do you remember the part with Bernard? Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping you guys remember. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, he was the guy that like sits on the bench and like sort of mourns his wife. He's like maybe romantically involved with Joyce, but it's yes. never made super clear. They're, exactly. they're companions at the very least. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there's a part in the book where Ron and Ibrahim go to the bench and ask him like questions about why he's there. And in a few pages, he kills himself. Mm. Yeah. And it just was really uncomfortable to me because there was no conversation about what drove him to do that. Because it couldn't have been a coincidence that it was on the same day that Ron and Ibrahim talked to him. Because mm -hmm. he'd been there for years. And like, it sort of like was treated as expected, inevitable, when it should have been something completely preventable. Yeah. And I like, why, do you, why did you not dwell on that a bit more? You it wanted just, it to be unpacked. Yeah, it was just because I was thinking a lot of people that would be reading this is older people yeah. who are probably in a similar position to Bernard losing their like loved one mm -hmm. and still mourning them. I wouldn't want to read that like if I was them. It made me really sad. I agree with you. When you were reading out before, Michelle, the storylines that you enjoyed, I was thinking to myself, how did they end? And a lot of them ended in suicide. Yes. And I do find that not odd, but just interesting that like Richard chose to end a lot of these storylines that way. It is a bit jarring. Yeah. And because it's a lighthearted book, I feel like it doesn't unpack that. And mm. I'm like, maybe this is one thing you shouldn't be lighthearted about. Can I play devil's advocate oh, for a moment? And I'm not saying that I agree with this. I'm just saying it might be the reality. I think the most common group for suicide, apart from young men, is old people. It's people who do live in retirement homes or are mm. at the end of their lives. And so as much as I agree, maybe it could have been handled differently. I'd be really, really curious to know the listeners' thoughts on this. Please come talk to us on Instagram and in our Facebook group. Because it's so common... I'm not surprised that it was so prevalent in this book. In fact, I think elder suicide is something we so rarely talk about as a community, mm. as a society, culturally, everything. 
I don't know. I read it and I was like, that's so utterly believable based on the stats that I've read. No, you're probably right. But even like the Mackie, Maggie, priest, nun storyline, mm. that ended. Yeah, you're right. There yeah. is a lot of. So- there exactly. is actually a lot of. It's quite dark. And I imagine if you're someone who's been touched by stuff like that, it would be a bit triggering. Yeah. yeah. That's totally fair enough. I have a weakness to add to the growing list. Zero screenshots for me or zero photos of the book for me. When we do book club, I'm constantly pulling my phone out to take photos of pages that Mm. are noteworthy. I think the listeners who have listened to past episodes of this book club podcast will know that we often read out big slabs of text that we loved. I know that last month's pick, we were constantly reading out passages from that book that gripped us or left us feeling a certain way or angered us or whatever. This book just, I, I didn't take a single photo. Mm-hmm. I didn't care enough about anything happening. I didn't find the writing particularly poignant or poetic. And therefore I just didn't take a shot. It wasn't like anything really pissed me off, but I think that's way worse. I'd rather feel really pissed off by something in a book because at least I care. This book, I was just kind of like, thank God it's over. This book was one that I literally had to reward myself with little treats for every 30 <laughs> pages. I'm not kidding. I was saying to myself and saying to my partner, on Saturday night, it was, if I read 30 pages, I can watch an episode of Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> and then Sunday morning, if I read 30 pages, we can go out for breakfast together. Like, I can't give a book a very high rating. I know we'll get to that in a second, but I can't give a book much when I had to reward myself just to get through it. This would have been a complete did not finish for me unless it was a book club pick. Mm. You know what? I had the same reward system. <laughs> I had how many pages was it that you had to get through? It was just, I was just like on one day, I have to get through like a hundred pages because I had left this very last minute. <laughs> but I situated myself in that park that I mentioned before, right next to my sister's house. And when I finished my hundred or so pages, I went and I played with her daughter, my niece, because <laughs> I was like, this will be my reward. But I agree. I wasn't very invested in many of the characters mm. in many of the storylines which is a shame because I found a lot of them fascinating Mm. I just felt like they weren't given enough airtime simply Mm. because there were too many people it'll make a good movie exactly (laughs) Mm. Sahani any other weaknesses you want to add to the list um I thought the ending sucked oh (laughs) sorry that's so interesting that was the one part I well not the part with Penny and John that was fine okay but the whole book was just about an investigation but then one of the killers just confesses at the end I just thought that was a little bit Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> like we've been investigating the whole time, Actually, and now you're just confessing. Good. <laughs> so point. mad. But was he confessing to Elizabeth's husband because he knew the husband had dementia or yeah. Alzheimer's? Is that the reason? So it wasn't a real oh. confession. See, maybe you forgot that detail because yeah. there are 120 <laughs> characters. Also, oh, we know, but they don't know. Is I don't the... think they know yet. Yeah, like he's confessing because Stephen oh. won't probably won't say anything. Oh, okay. So just the readers know. That's my interpretation. Right. They're sitting, they're playing chess. Stephen is clearly more with it than maybe the reader has given him credit for. I see. And he says, did you do it? Like, just tell me. He clearly remembers the conversations Elizabeth has been having. Did not catch that. Yeah. That also, though, see, there you go. I think you'd be in, like, other listeners would be in the same boat. It's just so risky, though. If you've killed someone, why would you risk telling anyone, even if you think <laughs> they have dementia or, like, oh, I'm not sure. This book baffles me. <laughs> well, maybe... <laughs> Maybe, maybe these question marks are exactly why people buy the second book. Because yes. it's like, it's so out of left field. Why would Bogdan, why would he say that and risk that? And couldn't anyone in like, Elizabeth was coming through the corridor or like almost entered the room at the same time. 
Yeah. Why mm. would you do this? See, maybe Richard's a genius. Maybe the vague nature of this book's genius <laughs> businessman stuff that he just wants us to buy his next book. <laughs> I will not be, but... <laughs> <laughs> the scary thing is, is that we are so in the minority, right? Yeah. I think I can speak for all of us when I say, didn't love it. We must be massively in the minority because on Goodreads it has an average of 3.9 stars and it's had hundreds of thousands of reviews. So I think for for any book to have a 3.905 is like a great achievement. But to have that after it's become a bestseller is a particular achievement. I mean, you look at Normal People by Sally Rooney. Mm. That book had a great rating for so long, but the bigger it got, the lower that rating fell because there's this counterculture, right? People go, well, it didn't live up to my expectations. There's every likelihood that us three would have had maybe a slightly different take on this book if it Mm. wasn't an international number one bestseller if steven spielberg hadn't picked it up for a movie our expectations were so high and Mm, therefore it fell under but we're still in the minority the majority of people and we saw this in comments on our tiktok account recently the majority of people love this and are disappointed that we didn't Yeah, yeah i think our expectations were far too high coming into this probably because we don't read a lot of books like this ladies lower your expectations <laughs> <laughs> all right ratings time sahani i'll start with you what are you going to give it i'm going to give it a one i don't know why i feel so bad for richard but he's not listening what <laughs> <laughs> is wrong with me i will forever love you that you swan into this show and you go lowest rating of all time <laughs> One, any additional comments you would like to make now? I think I've said enough. <laughs> I think Richard Osmond. <laughs> Annabelle, you <laughs> your rating, please. I'm so sorry, Richard. Dicky boy. <laughs> My rating would be a two, probably a one. But I'm going to say two because I will be watching the movie when it comes out because I'm curious. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing, but okay. <laughs> uh, a one and a half. Okay. For me, I wouldn't have finished if it wasn't a book club book and if I wasn't like mm. contractually obliged to do so <laughs> with this podcast. That said, I did think it had a strong ending. The priest and nun storyline lifted it up slightly for me. Uh, apart from the Bogdan. Actually, no, even him confessing to Stephen. I think I was so confused by that. It lifted it from a one to a one and a half. So... Yeah, one of the worst books we've read in this book club. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Richard Osman, if you're listening. <laughs> I feel really unkind. We've I, never been this harsh before. I'm actually sweating. <laughs> um, all right, well, thanks so much for listening to the February installment of the Shameless Book Club. Guys, next month, hopefully we have more luck. We are going to be reading Alone With You in the Ether by Olivia Blake. This has been hotly requested by you guys on our Instagram account. For those who aren't familiar with Alone With You in the Ether, here's a passage from the book's blurb that Sahani will read out. Two people meet in the Art Institute by chance. Prior to their encounter, he is a doctoral student who manages his destructive thoughts with compulsive calculations about time travel. She is a bipolar counterfeit artist undergoing court-ordered psychotherapy. By the end of the story, these things will still be true. But this is not a story about endings. Sounds different. Yeah. Guys, this one is all over Book Talk, so make sure you get a copy and read along with us. Until then, come follow us on Instagram at The Shameless Book Club or search the same username on TikTok. That's it from us. Bye. Bye. Sorry, Richard. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Richard Dickie Osmond. <laughs> Thank you.
Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.